Welcome in to another Baseball America Top 10 Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer here to break down the San Francisco Giants farm system today. As we wrap up the National League portion of these podcasts, we'll jump into the American League later this week. To finish off the NL, I am joined today by Josh Norris, who took care of the Giants chapter of the Prospect Handbook for us for... Uh, Josh, how many years is this now of you doing the Giants? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> three or four, I think. Josh, you've written about a lot of the players who we saw debut in the big leagues last year throughout their minor league careers. And in some ways, the Giants are a team that's in a bit of a transition. They went 79 and 83 last year. They debuted a lot of those young players. We saw Marco Luciano make his debut, Kyle Harrison make his debut, Patrick Bailey make his debut, Casey Schmidt make his debut. All guys who had been in the top 10 of the system in years past. It was not a very exciting team in a lot of ways. This was a team that was painful to watch at times. Gabe Kapler, the manager, was fired at the end of the year. They were able to hire Bob Melvin away from the Padres. So there is a managerial upgrade. They've also made some moves this offseason. They signed Korean outfielder Jung-Hoo Lee for six years, $113 million to be their new center fielder. We saw them just make a trade for Robbie Ray. So they are doing some things to bolster the big league roster, but they are also trying to integrate some of these young players into the major leagues. When you look at this organization right now, a lot of those young players, again, you've written about extensively. Now they're big leaguers combined with what they have in the farm system. How do you assess the overall health of the Giants organization and its outlook? It's it's getting there. I mean, like you said, Harrison and Luciano still count, and those are going to be, the Giants hope, big pieces of their future. Like Harrison showed flashes last year of what he can be. And showed flashes of maybe the downside of him too. You know, it's it's going to be stuff over uh, stuff balancing stuff with command is how I meant to say that. And if he can do that effectively, start to start, he'll be a pretty effective starter in the big leagues. Uh, Luciano's got a little more seasoning to add, but I think he'll still be a pretty good everyday player in the big leagues. And unfortunately for the prospect ranking portion of this, those two guys, uh, assuming Luciano makes the everyday roster or the uh, opening day roster will graduate pretty quickly. Uh, we talked about before the podcast. Uh, Harrison has like 15 innings before he graduates, and Luciano has roughly a month of at-bats before he graduates, and then you're looking at number one prospect Bryce Eldridge and kind of an interesting mix of pitchers and uh, infielders behind him. But it, it would take a pretty, pretty big hit for the prospect rankings. Uh, honestly, the best the best thing for the – Giants to do for their future was to be somehow to get you know Southern California and Northern California declared different parts uh, of the of the of the country and get out of the division with the Giants uh, with the Dodgers. Sorry. Yeah, and you mentioned one of the things that has made it very very difficult. The Giants have pursued some big ticket free agents, have not been able to land them. Remember last offseason, they tried to sign Aaron Judge, and he ultimately chose to go back to the Yankees. They pursued Carlos Correa. That fell through. This offseason, they were in the Shohei Otani mix. They were not able to lure him away. He signed with the Dodgers. So the Giants have had a hard time bringing in these marquee free agents. And on the backside, they've also had a hard time 
integrating their position players, getting them to be effective major league hitters. This is something that has plagued the organization for a long time. We talked about, again, a lot of position players made their debuts last year. You look at Bailey, you look at Luis Matos, you look at Casey Schmidt, throw Marco Luciano in there. Again, small samples, some early struggles. It it's normally wouldn't be too much for a red flag, but this is an organization that for a long time has struggled to help their young hitters get better. You look at guys like Joey Barton, Elliot Ramos, who were top draft picks, had a lot of promise in the low minors, showed you real ability, and they just never really got better. And I would say they got worse as they progressed up the giant system. And the players they were in the major leagues were not the players that a lot of evaluators thought they were going to be. And I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost is whenever players struggle in the big leagues, a lot of casual fans say, oh, it's just a bad pick. When in reality, a lot of times what goes sideways is player development. The pick was fine, but the players were not developed properly. And Barton Ramos, to me, are two guys who fall into the ladder. When they were in San Jose in high A, the scouting reports were good. The stats were good. The tools, mechanics, everything you wanted to see was there. And they just got worse. The Giants did not help them get better. And that has been an organizational problem for a long time. They do fine with pitching. We saw Logan Webb come up. He's become an all-star. Camilo Duvall's become one of the better closers in the National League. They can develop the pitching okay, but they've really struggled to develop hitters. When you look at this group right now, again, all these young position players I mentioned, some of the young hitters in the farm system, what needs to happen here to improve that? I mean, I think if I could answer that question definitively, I'd, I'd, I'd be a much higher pay grade. Um, <laughs> I, will counter, uh, uh, I will counter those two examples with Luis Matos. And Patrick Bailey, to a degree, you know, Patrick Bailey isn't, you know, isn't what Joey Bart was expected to be offensively, but he's a darn good big league catcher. And especially from the defensive standpoint, like, I think, I think that's a really good win there. I know we, as an industry questioned that pick a little bit when it happened because it was coming right off the heels of, of Joey Bart. And when he was at the highest of his prospect stock and we said, okay, you got a young prospect catcher. Why are you? drafting another one and it was originally it was viewed as a little bit of a yin yang sort of situation bart was the offensive guy and you know maybe it's an okay catcher and patrick bailey was your standout defensive catcher and he, he absolutely is um but maybe a little lighter with the bat and like i said he's not gonna ever be you know, buster posey back there nobody is but you know he's i i feel really good about keeping him in the top 30 in the book two books ago but I feel a little bad about not having him higher than I did. <laughs> I think the the thought for with Bailey was, you know, catch and throw guys, guys who can command a staff, have long big league careers. And as long as you're, I mean, your favorite player in the world, Jeff Mathis, is an example of that. Or, you know, a, a guy I covered for a long time in the minor leagues, uh, Austin Romine comes to mind. Like he's, he was never the, the prospect that Jesus Montero was, but He's still in the big leagues, I believe, at 35 years old. It's because you can catch and you can throw. And Patrick Bailey can both do, do those things really, really well. Um, so I, this is a long way of saying that they might not have hit on some of their hitters that are more famous, but you know, they've gotten some guys up there. And I think the the best parts, the best is yet to come for a guy like Matos, especially. Um, that guy, you know, we talked about him during the pandemic season um, when he was really start to come into his own in instructs. And then he kind of burst out a little bit in 2021. Yep. 
know, yes, 2021, then kind of went down in 2022 outside of the fall league. And then 2023 really exploded and got to the big leagues and showed flashes of it. And, you know, he graduated, so he doesn't count for this thing, this, this system. But I think that's a win. Like he was, it was a good, good little pick by the, or a good little sign by them. And uh, it kind of counterbalances some of the misses they have. But as it's a long way of saying, I don't know exactly what's going wrong. It might not be anything they're doing. It might just be, I weren't good enough. You know, there's some time, there's some guys that player development can't develop into a bunch of or cromulent big leaguers. Yeah, and again, to be clear, again, these guys have gotten the major leagues, Bailey Ma to see the talent. I think there's just understandable skepticism that the, the, the Giants will get the most from these guys as major leaguers. And I think that's going to be one of the interesting subplots moving into 2024 is do Luis Matos and Patrick Bailey and Casey Schmidt and, and to a degree Marco Luciano, do these guys continue to progress after getting that first taste of the big leagues, do they make the necessary adjustments to improve and further establish themselves? There's just a lot of doubts that the Giants organization can help them do that because that's sadly been the organization's track record. So I think that's going to be one of the interesting subplots moving into 2024. And I think it's important to note that when you talk about this team, you can't just talk about the prospects in a vacuum. You have to talk about the young big leaguers with the prospects because this is an organization with a lot of young talent and getting the most from it, that's going to be their best path back to consistent contention. Obviously, they had that tremendous year in 2021. A big part of that was Buster Posey coming back. You had Brandon Crawford having a bounce back year. Kevin Gosman had a great year. But since Posey retired um, and Crawford's aged out a little bit, they just haven't been able to replicate that. It's been 500 season in 2022 and under 500 season in 2023. Josh, as we move into this farm system, we talk about the Giants' struggles to develop hitters. But as we mentioned, they've done a decent job of pitching. Logan Webb obviously has developed into one of the better starters in the National League. Camilo Doval is one of the best closers in the National League. Those are two homegrown arms. We've seen a lot of other guys from the minor leagues come up and contribute, maybe not become studs, but solid big league contributors, whether it's in the rotation or the bullpen or a swing type of role. The number one prospect in this system is Kyle Harrison. We saw him make his major league debut last year. Lefty with big stuff. Control has always been a little bit wonky. He's the number one prospect in this system once again this year. What is his long-term outlook, and what are some of the strides he's made and is going to need to continue to make? Like I said, it's the same song as last year. You know, it's command. He's got to be able – the stuff is unquestioned. He's got to be able to command it. Not control it, command it. Um, he can't can't leave it over the fat part of the plate. And I think last year was the same idea. I think was the, you know, can he – keep that delivery, which allows him so much deception, um, streamlined enough to command the baseball uh, more frequently. Um, I know they changed, they, they messed with his slider a little bit this year, and it looked like it, it took well in the big leagues. Um, but I think you've got a guy who can definitely fit in the upper part of the rotation if everything goes well. So I, I think there's a really bright young prospect. And like I said, I graded him a 60 high. Um, even though he's in the big leagues, there's still some risk there about what he's going to wind up being. He's a good little, good, good prospect who I think fits, you know, not quite in Logan Webb territory, but just a, a tick below him. 
Yeah, and you do a good job there, you know, kind of differentiating between control and command. And to be clear, in the past, his control has been a little wonky, but it was fine in the big leagues. Uh, only walked 11 batters in 34 and two-thirds innings. But the issue was he left too many balls over the big part of the plate, allowed eight homers in those 34 and two-thirds innings. So obviously just doing a better job of pitching to the edges of the zone. What's the level of confidence that he'll be able to make enough improvements to reach that? Again, you said he won't be Logan Webb, but... For those who aren't familiar with our grading scale, 60 is a really good number three starter who has some number two type years and and makes a few all-star games. What's the confidence that he will be able to make the command adjustments to get there? I think they're 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 fairly confident that he'll be able to do that. I mean, it, it may never be perfect. It's not going to be, you know, Greg Maddox from the left side, but it's going to be good enough to outstuff guys on any given day. Yeah, certainly an exciting young pitcher. And again, someone that you could certainly see playing a role in the Giants rotation for years to come. He's number one in this system. Marco Luciano, who's the top ranked position player in the system, has at various points ranked as the top player in this system overall. He's number two now. How close was it between Luciano and Harrison? Again, both made their major league debuts last year. Harrison was up there for a lot longer. Not very. Um, I think, what did I grade him? Um, 55 high. So I gave him a tick lower, you know, it, he still, he does seem like he should be a lot older by now, but he's not, he's 22 uh, and won't turn 23 until September of this coming year. So he's got a long way to go, but there are still you know questions about the bat a little bit. Uh, he didn't really crush the ball at any stop this year. And the, the, the promotion of the big leagues was a little surprising. Um, there's still some polish to be applied. And there's questions about whether he's a shortstop long-term. So, you know, there's there's a good chance he's a good everyday big leaguer, but it's it's not maybe the same level of star that we thought a couple of years ago. Yeah, and one of the things with Luciano, and I remember you and I had a lot of conversations about him when, when I watched him out here in the Cal League when he was in San Jose. You certainly saw the raw power. You certainly saw the ability to dream on the physicality, how he would fill out. But there were certainly a lot of questions about the pure hitting ability. And, and you mentioned he's never dominated any minor league level. Uh, he's a career 259 hitter in the minors. And it's important to note that in the majors, you can live with that batting average. But whenever you see that in the minors, it's typically a red flag. Anyone who's hitting below 270, 280 in their career in the minors, there's not a great track record of those guys hitting enough in the major leagues. What's the fate that Hull hit enough? Because again, he's still very, very young. We have to acknowledge that. You know, last year was his age 21 season. He turned 22 in September. So it's still a young guy who's growing and developing. At the same time, there's always been questions about how much pure hitting ability is in there. And he's never really answered it conclusively. Yeah, he's it, it it's not as he doesn't have as many as much time as you think he does. I'm just looking at it right now. He's got 1,070 minor league at-bats, and he signed in 2018. Obviously, the pandemic plays a part in that, but there's been some some dinks and dunks there with injuries, if I remember correctly. Shoot, I remember this year, I went to see him, and he looked terrible one day, didn't play the next, and then he was doing something pre that second game in the cage, and I think he went absolutely off for like two weeks and made me look silly. But, you know, there's... I think we tend to fall into the trap a little bit as an entire industry of what they are when they get the big leagues immediately is what they are long-term. Sometimes these guys, these guys aren't all, you know, your Juan Soto's or whatever. 
who get okay, most of the time they're not. Yeah, I mean, right. development development continues in the major leagues. It takes most guys a few years. Right. There's a lot. There's a level of impatience that sometimes surrounds these young guys, and you know maybe maybe this is this guy isn't that guy until he's 25 years old. So I, I don't I don't know. It's it, there's a lot of learning left to be done, and some of that might come in the big leagues. Some of that might come in AAA. Like I said, I think he's going to be a decent everyday big leaguer, but I don't think he was close to Kyle Harrison. Yeah, and you mentioned some questions about his long-term position. He primarily played shortstop last year. What is his future positionally? Because there's long been projections he'll move to third base, but he has stuck at shortstop throughout his minor league career. Well, I wouldn't move him to third base because there's a guy named Casey Schmidt there who's pretty good over at that position. Defensively, um, yes, no question. <laughs> I would, and I mean, Casey Schmidt might be a better shortstop than Marco Luciano. Like I know when I think it was Luciano got hurt in Eugene a couple years ago, I think if I'm remembering my shortstops correctly, Schmidt moved over and played shortstop pretty well um, in his absence. I think I have that right. But maybe you move him to second? Maybe you move, let me try him in the outfield. I don't know at this point, but like third base would be the natural position, but you've got a really, you know, good potential gold glover over there that I wouldn't want to mess with. Yeah. And some of that's going to be Schmidt also hitting enough uh, after a hot start last year, really, really tailed off. So seeing what adjustments he's able to make offensively, but there's no question in a vacuum. Yes. Casey Schmidt is, is the better defender at third base and probably the guy you want over there. All right, Josh, so Kyle Harrison and Marco Luciano were the top two prospects in the system. They've been in the top 100 for a couple of years now. They both got to the major leagues. There are some players that I want to talk to you about outside of those two. It's not the deepest system, but there are some interesting players we're talking about. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to dive right into those guys here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the 
the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, welcome back to the Giants Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Josh Norris. Josh, before the break, we talked about the young big leaguers that the Giants saw make their debuts last year, including Kyle Harrison and Marco Luciano, who are both still prospect eligible and rookie of the year eligible in 2024. Harrison and Luciano are both top 100 prospects. They've both been considered potential regulars, if not better, in the Giants rotation lineup for years to come. How would you assess the rest of this top 10 from a depth perspective? Because again, you've got two top 100 prospects who have made their big league debuts at the top. After that, there's a lot less certainty, I think it's fair to say. How do you assess the overall depth of this top 10 and really the organization as a whole? It's not the deepest. Um, Carson Wisenhunt is a good prospect. We skipped over Bryce Aldridge, but I mentioned that you know, he had a really good pro debut and got really good reviews from scouts. Um, I don't think he's uh, going to be a true two-way prospect going forward. He's a hitter. Um, he's kind of the the opposite of Reggie Crawford at this point. Um, but I, you know, everything I heard coming out of the complex league and a little bit of low A was really good, even if my looks in uh, instructional league were not great, whatever. Long season, end of the year, dude's probably tired. It happens. Um, Carson Wisenhunt, really interesting prospect. Uh, Change-ups. Change I think my favorite thing I learned about him this year is he has three different change-ups. Depending on the way he positions his fingers, he can – and I, I noticed it when I saw him. I was like, okay, this – I know these are change-ups, but these are wildly different pitches. One kind of is just a little change of speeds. One has some dive, and one, you know, falls out the hangman's uh, trap door. Um, and I asked him about it. He said, yeah, if I move my fingers a certain way, I can change the drop on the ball. All right, well, that's pretty cool. I pity your catcher trying to call three different change-ups, but it works. Uh, the question, as will be the case with most fastball changeups guys, is the breaking ball, and it kind of showed flashes here and there. But then he got hurt, and that kind of took some shine off the apple there. Uh, Walker Martin got high marks uh, as an amateur, didn't play as a pro. I know proof of life was there in instructs. I saw him walking around. Thank you, Giants. You wear your names in the back of your jerseys. Much appreciated. Um, Hayden Birdsong, really interesting, high impact or high high velocity, high octane arm um, who kind of bullied his way through the lower levels of the minor leagues and ran into a little bit of trouble in the, in double a, but you know, he's got at the very least the, the power and pitches to be a, a big time reliever. Rainer Arias, if you know who I am, you know, I love the high ceiling Latin guys and he certainly is one of them. Uh, injury cut his season short a little bit, but the numbers when he was healthy, I, I don't know if you'd like a 414, 539, 793 slash, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's good. Uh, did pretty well in 16 games in the DSL. Mason Black, he'll be a big leader. Um, really interesting, high impact or high intensity guy, three pitch mix, sinker slider type guy. 
Uh, Reggie Crawford, I saw in the fall league as a hitter. He's a pitcher. Um, I guess that's the way to put it that way. Uh, and I can't wait to see him on the mound wherever he may start this year. I, I he could either go back to Eugene or wind up in double A. I'm not sure how that's going to go, but I don't think they are either. Grant McCray, depending on what month you caught him on, he was either Babe Pinelli or Babe Ruth. Um, Babe Pinelli, umpire shout out right there. Um, it's just inconsistent, and I think it's pretty telling that he was unprotected for the Rule 5 draft and went unpicked. Um, really good center fielder, but needs to make more contact, period, point blank. And then you get to a number 11, and it's Vaughn Brown, and uh, his injury went pretty – it sounded pretty um, – upsetting this year a broken bone i believe in his leg and kind of just derailed him he didn't really hit really well in richmond when he was healthy so i want to go back a little bit you mentioned reggie crawford and bryce eldridge the giants drafted both of them in the first round each last two years as two-way players and you mentioned earlier that at this point reggie crawford looks like a pitcher only moving forward bryce eldridge likely a position player only moving forward what is their two-way outlook, are they solely going to be on one track now moving forward? I mean, I can't say definitively. You know, they let Crawford do a little bit of both, you know, um, in his first couple of years. And, you know, Crawford was only a hitter in the fall league, but really didn't do well as a hitter in the fall league. Um, and, you know, they, they talked really highly about him as a pitcher, but unfortunately he dealt with some injuries. He had mono to start the year. I want to say it was an oblique some point later in the year just has, doesn't have a lot of mound time it's and that was a problem coming into his pro career was he i think he had eight innings between college and the college national team so it's a really long-term play and he needs to stay healthy um eldridge i'm sure he'll dabble in both next year but you know they didn't give me their their roadmap for him so we'll see but you know the guys who saw him as a hitter are really really impressed by what he could be as a hitter so long way of saying not sure, but they're leaning certain ways. With the Giants, you know, we've talked about this. Their their drafting has been at times hit or miss. Um, Hunter Bishop, their first round pick in 2019, has not turned out great. Joey Bart, their first round pick in 2018, has has struggled a little bit. Will Bednar, Matt Mikulski with their top two picks in 2021. Neither of them are anywhere in this top 10 prospects right now. With Eldridge and, and also Walker Martin, two high school picks that were taken and given high bonuses here in this most recent draft, what were the early reviews on them? Because it does feel like a lot is riding on them, turning their draft fortunes around. Again, really, really early, but but Eldridge and Martin, what were the initial impressions of them? Well, like I said, Martin didn't play, so there's no no real early impression. I kind of, honestly, I really just rewrote the draft report because he didn't play in any games. I want to say there was a small injury ding or something there, um, but I might be misspeaking. Uh, and then Eldridge, like I said, he got really good reviews from scouts outside the organization in San Jose and uh, the ACL. So the early reviews are good, but I do, I, I will say that I do like the way the Giants are drafting. They're, uh, I'm an upside guy. And you know, you take a guy like Carson, Carson Wisenhunt, who you know, didn't, pitch at all in his draft year at ECU because of the suspension and then had a little bit I think on the cape um pre-draft but you bet on what you you've seen before and you know the upside is there and his draft stock may be a little depressed from what it would have been had he dominated at ECU 
So you, you put your cards on the table there. And then you take a guy like Reggie Crawford, who's an ultimate upside play, and you say, okay, we're, we're going to gamble here. We're picking at the back of these, these rounds. Why not gamble a little bit? And if it turns out well, then you, you're smart. And the early, um, early indications on Wizenhunt were pretty good before the injury. And you know, jury's still out on a lot of these guys, unfortunately. Josh, you mentioned some of the players at the back of this top 10 and kind of beyond, Grant McRae and Vaughn Brown. They were two breakout prospects in 2022. What's their outlooks now? Again, you mentioned Vaughn Brown had his injury. Grant McRae was very, very inconsistent. His best days looked like he could be a standout player. Other times it was a lot more rough. What can Giants fans reasonably expect from these two? Just because, again, they were such big breakouts in 2022. Yeah, these are this is a big year for both of them, especially Brown, because he is going to be 26 in the middle of the season, uh, you know, to, uh, upper um, upperclassman sign out of out of college, and it just he had that really good year where you were kind of asking yourself, is this a real prospect or is this an older guy bullying the lower levels? And last year, unfortunately, because of health and just the way it broke. It might look a little bit like the former, right, or the, the latter. Um, he didn't hit well when he was on the field, and then he broke his leg. And he only, only played 50 games. So this is going to be a big year for him. When I, assume he, I assume he winds up back in Richmond uh, to start the year. And McRae, he does a lot of things well. He needs to make more contact, period. Like that's there's, I think you can, you can probably fill a, a separate handbook with – Guys who do a lot of things well but don't hit, you know, top 30 guys who just can't hit. Um, and I think part of it is just getting out of his approach. It's been a problem uh, for him. Like, there's, there were really good months for him, and there were really bad months for him. And there were a, a 171 swing, uh, swings and misses, 171 strikeouts this year. It's, that's not what you want in 127 games. So he's got to, you know, maybe – play more toward his skill set which is making contact and you know running around the bases really fast he's a we have him as a seven runner really good center fielder so that gives him a floor i think of a backup outfielder of some kind but there's more in there and now he has that was on him and player development to get it out of him and i i do also believe a team will tell you what they think about a player uh, by the way they treat him and he didn't go to Richmond last year at any point. And they had holes in that squirrels lineup where I mean, they signed Yoshi Satsugo uh, to play outfield in double A rather than promoting their guy or any guy from that team. So that kind of tells me without telling me what they think he needs to do and how far he has to come. Josh, as you've mentioned, as we've kind of talked about, this is not the deepest system. Again, you have players in the top 10 who are, guys with talent, but a lot of question marks. Are there some players outside this top 10 that intrigue you, or who are some sleepers that maybe uh, Giants fans should keep an eye on? Well, without spoiling the sleepers article, we're going to come out, or I will just spoil it completely. Um, catcher O'Neill Perez is a guy that really jumped uh, for some guys. Uh, it's not the best offensive profile in the world, but it's a solid backup catcher. We have him graded as a sixth defender with a seven arm. He's more athletic than you'd think for um, uh, a guy of his size, six bigger than six one one eighty two, but uh, also a catcher. 
I saw him a little bit in Eugene, and it wasn't a standout series for either of the clubs I saw, but I remember seeing him bang a triple off the wall. And looks like, look at that. I saw his only triple. Um, and he, he, the way he was running around the bases, it was like, it looks like this guy, someone pressed fast forward on this guy because I would not expect that guy to move like that. So that was kind of a guy who really caught some people's eyes. You know, Maui Ohuna right below him was a guy who also did not play because of injuries. He had a lot of hype coming into the year, and then there was some shenanigans and some injuries uh, at the college level. Uh, and the red there at 19. Look at that. I put them all in a row. Uh, Trevor McDonald, like we talked about, a long-term burn. Um, it doesn't take – sometimes it takes guys a little longer to click. He you know, did a, he did a great year this year between uh, – mostly at, at uh, Eugene toward the end, and they added him to uh, the 40-man. So he's a kind of a – it's weird to say a pop-up arm. I don't know. It's a pop-up arm because he was an 11th rounder. He got a lot of money there. I got some some money there. Um, but he finally kind of took that next step forward this year. So that'd be a guy to watch. I think he'll wind up in AA this year at some point. Uh, those are the guys that really jump to mind as you know potential sleepers, if you will. What is the update on Will Bednar, who is their first-round pick in 2021 and uh, was a College World Series MVP, but uh, really did not impress much in his pro debut in 2022 and missed the 2023 season except for a little bit at the very end. Yeah, dealt with some injuries here. Uh, I really kept him off the field. I don't I don't know what to expect of him at this point. I mean, it seemed like he was on the, relie- on the reliever track um, even before the season. Uh, but now I think that's almost permanent um, because he just missed the entire season. It's going to be hard to play catch-up. When you're not on the field, uh, let's see here. What did I put on his notes? Sorry, I'm trying to get to his notes here. Yeah, lower back issues that kept reoccurring. So it, it wasn't great when he was healthy, and it's even worse when you're not healthy. So uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with him at this point, but it's, he's going to have to really work to get back on that radar. Yeah, we'll see if he's able to come back healthy in 2024 and have a bounce back year. Josh, any final thoughts here as we wrap up the Giants farm system? Uh, not particularly. Like I said, it's it's not the deepest system I do. Um, and a lot of it hinges on the two, two or three guys at the top. And once it once those two graduate guys graduate, uh, it's going to be slimmer pickings. I kind of summed it up uh, the Major League Outlook when I did our little intro for the Giants system. And I said, you know, there's plenty of pieces to supplement a potential rise back to the playoff, but now it needs something to tie everything together. Now that was written before Jung Ho Lee signed. Or Jung Ho Lee signed. Um, they need a centerpiece. They don't have that guy. They just don't right now. And they need that impact player that they were trying to get with Correa. They were trying to get with Judge. And maybe Lee can be that guy. They're still kind of in the mix for some other you know, guys, as we say, as we um, record this, you know, Blake Snell is still out there. Uh, Dylan Cease is on the market. Uh, allegedly, Shane Bieber's on the market. Uh, Jesus Lazardo's name is out there. You, you got to have something, some kind of firepower in the middle of a roster, some kind of face of the franchise right now. And I, I don't really think uh, they have it. Yeah, no, that's a very, very fair assessment and something that they're trying to fix and need to fix in order to be able to contend in the NL West with the Dodgers as well as the uh, defending National League champion Diamondbacks. Josh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your insight and analysis as always. No problem. 
All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.